Hey, everybody. Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening. Welcome to Beekeeping for Newbies. Thank you very much for taking the time to listen. I do appreciate you. As always, feel free to reach out, Jeff, at beekeepingfornewbies.com. And don't forget, we have the Discord room. Just go to Beekeeping for Newbies. That's N-E-W-B-E-E-S dot com. Go about halfway down on the left, and you'll see a link to the Discord page from there. You can jump in and join the rest of the crew and chat with all of us. Oh, and a special thanks to our patrons, Mary, Adam, Candace, Susie, Michael, David, and John. Thank you all very, very much. I appreciate your support. And without further ado, let's just jump right in here. Uh, I know this, this is not the uh, first time I've had to apologize for a long absence. I'll do it anyway. I am sorry. It is my fault. I, was, I don't know why I just thought of that Happy Gilmore thing where he goes up there to Carl Weathers and he says, like, you're good looking. I'm not so, <laughs> I'm not attractive, whatever. Anyway. Uh, I don't know. I'm just, uh, stop maturing around age 14 or 15. Anyway, I would really, really love to be doing about three to four episodes a week. I just, I can't do it right now. Uh, I definitely see a time in the very near future where we're going to have a lot more things in order. And I, I think there's actually, if we can do it, get to a point where there'll be some daily content and, uh, I'm just not there. And I really can't speculate as to how long that's going to take. I will tell you that I do have a whole lot of plans in the works. Uh, I promise it's going to get better. Hang in there. Bear with me. Uh, but I do, I, I want all of you to know that I sincerely appreciate the opportunity to talk to you on this forum in the Discord room via email. So please keep up the communication and hopefully some of the exciting things that I'm, that I'm trying to make happen will all come to fruition and we'll be able to have some more, more fun here in the very near future. So on that note, I do want to jump in real quick and just talk about a few of my upcoming plans, things are very dynamic and very fluid, as I'm sure you know. everyone's quite familiar. Life does like to keep you on your toes, and mine is certainly no different. It's, uh, it's been a crazy few months, crazy year, uh, very interesting weekend. So I guess I'll start with the first piece of news here. As you may recall, uh, I have returned back to the workforce full-time, which left me little time to manage bees. The few colonies that I've had you know, with me, I've done an absolutely atrocious job of caring for them and uh, really did a disservice to them. So recognizing this and wanting to do what's best for the bees, what's best for me, um, I did work out a deal this weekend with another apiary. Um, there was a previous thing you probably remember hearing me talk about. I had a three-year contract with some option years in there and all kinds of things going on with that. Skipping all the boring parts of the contract and that discussion, I sold those colonies yesterday. So that's one less thing that I have to deal with. It's just... One more thing off the plate. Uh, once I get everything in order, personally, professionally, with the apiary, all of that, I'm just going to start from scratch over there. And I've got a couple people I know who have some known good stock, and I'll just rebuild it from there. And the reality is, I mean, you can take, you know, 10, 12 hives, set up a couple cell builders, do some queen, um, some queen rearing, and do some grafting, and you can be, you know, 50 or 100 hives within a season it's not not unheard of so we'll definitely uh be doing something later it's just not going to be with my previous stock of bees that i had before but the exciting part of what i do want to share with you is since i will be starting from scratch my plan is to fully 100 percent completely document that entire journey the idea that i came up with and, and for the record here this is all subject to change based on one of the many things going on right now, things that I know are coming up this quarter, whatever other surprises are in store. But if all goes as planned, 
uh, this spring is going to be super cool. And as part of that, what I'm working on is um, I, I was kind of working on some more permanent quarters down at the apiary. But in preparation for everything that I have in my mind here, again, getting getting it from paper to executions, sometimes a challenge, but getting everything done that I need to do in preparation for the spring is just going to have me pushing that project. I'm not going to mess with that right now. I'm going to focus 100% on getting everything ready for what I what I have planned. It, it's just going to take up too much of my time, and I have a tent, so I can stay in a tent. I can figure something else out. I don't care. But this spring, I'm going to be doing something that I've thought about for a while, but I think will be a great educational opportunity. So specifically, it's one thing to talk about beekeeping. You know, it's great that I can get on here and I can run through things conceptually and we can chat about it. We have email exchanges. We talk about things in the Discord room. But having visual aids makes all the difference in the world. I mean, even when I first started and I was looking at a book, the book at least had some pictures in it, right? So this spring... I'm going to be purchasing a couple different breeds of bee from at least three different suppliers. I may do, you know, five or six and get a couple from each one. But my intent is to document the entire process. So, I mean, I'm probably not going to document the ordering process. But when I go to the post office, you know, I'll strap a GoPro on my chest or whatever I got to do and, you know, show the process of going up there, picking up the bees, things you need to tell them to keep them calm. Because I've had people at the post office get a little, a little bent out of shape. But we'll talk about picking them up, if you need to store them overnight, the process that I go through to store them, the installation the next day. So I'm going to run through all of that. And then as each week goes by, I'll say, okay, hey, it's Saturday of week three. Let's go through and do an inspection. And I'll do my best to have at least multiple cameras because I've had that happen before where I had this exciting idea of recording things and then something happens with the one single camera that I had or whatever. We'll try to get multiple angles see if I can get the Phoebe keeper involved, see if she can give me a hand with this. And we will try to document the inspections, show you the notes that we're taking. I'll probably convert those into PDFs, post those under the episodes so that you can see the things that I'm keeping track of, kind of my mental process that I go through. And, you know, it'll allow you an opportunity to kind of follow along at home if you're getting bees around the same time and you'll see the same challenges that I'm facing, same things that you're facing. And, uh, you know, we'll deal with you know, swarm cell management, adding supers, creating ventilation, you know, IPM, the pest management, varroa treatment, entrance size management, you know, everything else that happens throughout the course of the season, um, you know, we're going to try and try and cover that. The real driver for this is because I was getting really hung up on this, this idea of trying to learn just through audio alone. And I get so many questions that come up all the time and people say, hey, could you just, could you do, show me a quick video of how this is done or how that's done? And the, the real challenge for me is that I don't live, you know, at my apiary. If I could wake up every morning, go outside and do a five or 10 minute video, that would make life a million times easier. So I'm, I'm, I'm working that angle as well. So don't, you know, hang in there. A lot, lot of stuff in the works. But I think that not including more of a visual component to everything, I'm just doing you guys a disservice. So we're going we're gonna to work on that. The series is really intended to kind of kick off probably in the February time frame. What I'm going to do is I'm going to go through my hardware and say, okay, I know I have X amount of you know hive uh, colonies. I know I have X amount of colonies coming in. This is how I'm prepping all of my hive bodies. This is how I'm prepping my frames. Here is you know uh, the spare things I think I want to have on hand and have ready to go. Right. We're going to walk through all of that. It'll be a series set up with YouTube. I'll be simulcasting that over to Rumble, and we'll see what we can do. But I'm, I'm super excited about that. I think it's going to be a lot of fun. 
and hopefully everything that I need to be in position at that time will be there. So we'll keep our fingers crossed. All right, so I do want to run through a couple of questions that popped up here recently. One of them is um, a question around bearding, and someone had asked, you know, what is the cause? What actually, you know, causes bees to beard? And typically, it is an issue of heat and overcrowding. The short and sweet solution is to add more space, add some ventilation, right? So screen bottom boards, you can put, you know, sometimes I've told people, look, if you have nothing else, throw an empty hive body in there. Don't leave that as like a long-term permanent solution. Like if you're in a northern climate somewhere where it just tends to not be as hot as it is, let's say in Alabama, Mississippi, you know, down in the south, you can get away with just throwing a hive body on there with nothing else in it just to give them some space to move around. But keep in mind, if you leave something in there that does not have frames and there's any kind of a flow going on or, or they need more space, they will start trying to build into that area. So try not to let that happen if you can avoid that. But, you know, one of the other things I mentioned before is, you know, drilling holes, putting some hardware cloth over for certain hive bodies or certain nuke setups or certain things. I don't recommend going with all your hardware and drilling a bunch of holes in it, but it is certainly an option. I think the most important thing to really remember when you're dealing, you know, again, the bearding in and of itself is not a big deal. I mean, I guess, you know, you could have dragonflies or some of the, you know, predator hornets that are out there might snatch a few extras away. I mean, that'll help reduce your overcrowding situation but ideally you do want your bees to have a place to go you know sometimes bad weather comes in and and they'll hold on to each other and they get drenched in a storm and then that makes them pretty unhappy but the real risk in all of it is the fact that they, they actually can't abscond if they decide that they're just so unhappy for so long and it's just so overcrowded they'll just pack up and leave and you really really don't want that to happen right you don't want that to happen any time of year but it's so much worse when you've done all this hard work from, you know, February, March, all the way through to, you know, July, August time frame, And then you get some hot days and they take off. So really, really don't want that to happen. The chance of, the, of them surviving when they abscond like that late in the season is just, it's pretty dismal. So definitely try to give them plenty of, plenty of space, plenty of air as needed. So while we're kind of on the subject of the time of year here, you know, it is, uh, I think when I actually put my notes together, it was even earlier. We weren't quite into the fall flow. I, I knew the fall flow was here a little bit late. I started getting the emails, the pollen emails about ragweed. I saw the email come in, and I think the first time or two that I saw it, it was uh, making reference to grasses, like grass pollens. And I wasn't too worried about it. The next couple of times, I think I deleted the email without even looking at it. And then I started having a lot of the congestion, and it dawned on me that I, you know, I, I have a ragweed allergy and ragweed was kicking in and it kind of got me a little bit, but it's a good sign for the fall flow kicking in. Um, I was down with the bees the other day. They're bringing back tons and tons of pollen. Pollen sacks are loaded down. So they're definitely finding food sources here this fall. So we'll have to kind of keep an eye on things. But like I said, it is fall. The fall flow is on where I am. It's probably either on or close to it where you are. I want you to kind of be thinking about the idea of supplemental feeding if you need to. Like I've had colonies in the past where they have a huge ramp up in the spring. Everything is great. Tons of honey everywhere. They go through 75 or 80% of that in the summertime. And then it gets to the fall and they're actually a little bit light, right? So I need to supplemental feed. You, want, you don't want to be supplemental feeding late in the season. So you definitely want to do that when the temperatures are, you know, probably ballpark around 60 or better. When it starts getting cooler, 
it gets more difficult for the moisture content to have enough time for the moisture content to leave so that they can cap it. So definitely start thinking about that. You know, now, I mean, there are places up north. I think, it, I know Montana, I think Idaho maybe as well had some snow. Maybe Utah had some snow recently. So you're definitely running out of time as it relates to uh, how much more time you'll have to feed depending on where you are, you know, geographically. And that also kind of leads into a little bit about how you want to, you know, configure your, your colonies and what you want that hive setup to look like going into the winter. You know, I've done so many different configurations over the years that have been successful. I think there are people in some parts of the world who, you know, overwinter in a single deep. Some, you have to have, you know, three deeps and a couple honey supers or whatever. I mean, you know, it just, everything is really based on where you are, how you have things set up, what your winters look like. I have successfully overwintered single deeps with a medium, double deeps with mediums. I can go on and on about, you know, traditional sized colonies. I've overwintered nukes, you know, like double four frame, four frame double stack nuke, five frame double and triple stacks. Lots of different configurations will work. Talk to the people at the bee club and then, you know, keep asking a whole lot of questions over and over again of different people. And then when you start to get consistent answers and you start to find out who knows what they're talking about, latch on to them, keep them close, and hopefully they can help uh, answer some of those questions for you. But that's a great one to ask. Like, hey, in your area, what do you recommend? I mean, I can tell you what I do, but that doesn't necessarily mean that that's going to be the best, you know, where you are. So in addition to supplemental feeding, entrances got to get reduced, right? I, I've had some issues already this season with robbing. I left entrances open way too long. I had some wax moth get in there. I had some crap going on with some hive beetles. I had a bunch of just irritating things going on. But get those entrances reduced a little bit to kind of help reduce robbing if that's an issue where you are. And like I said, be thinking about what that configuration is going to look like over winter. Maybe start thinking about there are some people who feed, you know, pollen patties and granulated sugar and different things. If that's what you're going to do, start making a plan for it now so that you can get everything set up and in place, you know, very shortly. Because again, depending on where you are, that's going to be a, a big issue here soon. You also may want to consider what your Varroa, you know, what your Varroa strategy and treatment uh, options are looking like. Uh, in fact, I, there's a local guy. I hope he listens to this. I am going to get your OA treatment done. I completely forgot about it. But just make sure that you're giving some kind of a treatment before you go into the fall or winter time frame so they can be as healthy as possible, or at least... Make sure you're doing your, your, you know, your washes and getting your numbers so that you know what you're up against. Technically, you should be doing the numbers every time. Hey, everyone. Thank you for listening. I hope that you're enjoying the show and are finding the information to be useful and valuable. In order to help keep the lights on, we do need to take a quick commercial break. Thank you so very much for hanging in there, and I appreciate you. We will be right back. All right, everyone, welcome back, and thank you for staying with us today. As always, feel free to reach out if you have any questions or comments. I always enjoy hearing about your experiences, answering questions, and learning more about the challenges you're facing in different parts of the world. So please keep them coming. It's Jeff at beekeepingfornewbies.com. Now let's get back to the show on the Beekeeping for Newbies radio network. Okay, that's not a real thing, but I'm trying to make it sound more official, so just play along, all right? Thanks a lot. Okay, so I did want to make a comment tied to a recent review so I recognize it, right? Anytime you talk publicly about anything, however you do it, you're not everybody's going to be happy all the time. I certainly don't expect that. 
but I did want to make a suggestion for a new listener. So the way that I sort of put the podcast together was meant to be in, in sort of a sequential approach so that everything from episode, you know, one through wherever we end up, it's semi-sequential and you can go through and, and it's like building blocks and you're learning more, you know, and you're adding on to what you previously knew or previously learned. The primary reason that in my mind, at least for this approach is you need to create this foundational level of knowledge and information. And then as topics are discussed over and over, you, know, you already have, you know, that, that, that basic, you know, education, knowledge, so that we don't have to go over the same things, you know, over and over and over again. If I'm in episode 50 and I'm saying, now remember, we're talking about a hive body. That's the thing that goes on to the hive that has frames in it. Right. I don't want to have to do that over and over again. So, and I'm not picking on whoever left the review, right? I, I completely get it. But they had basically said like, hey, I listened to this podcast and it's definitely not for beginners. Well, I don't know where they started. I'm sorry that there was some confusion. Uh, if you start on episode 40, you're probably going to miss a few things. But what I would ask is if anybody, if you know, you jump in midway somewhere and you're like, look, I'm not going to go back to episode one. I'm, I'm on 32. I'm starting from here. No problem. Jump in the discord room, send somebody a note. Send me an email and be like, hey, man, I, I'm, I haven't listened to the whole thing, but, you know, wh what do you mean by this right here? And then I, I don't mind explaining it. I mean, if I don't have time, I won't respond. But, I mean, if I have the time, I'll sit down and I'll say, hey, yeah, in episode four, I talked about that and this is what it means. You know, whatever. It's sort of like, you know, going to medical school and you show up in the fourth year and you're like, well, hold on, wait, what is a femur again? You know what I mean? Like, you, you, you kind of need to go through from the beginning. And again, man, I'm not, I'm not picking on anybody. It's just kind of like the mindset that I had when I put it all together was designed to be kind of like a building block approach. And like I said, just jump in the Discord room, ask questions there. Anyway, one thing I did want to pass along here is I read an article today. I'm going to read just a couple sentences from it here. I just thought it was kind of cool. I wanted to share it. I will post it in the Discord room uh, after the podcast is out. So you can kind of read more. If you're not into the Discord room, you're like, nope, not doing it. Just want to get the information. Shoot me an email. I will send you a link to it. But the title is, Some Honeybee Swarms Generate Electrical Charges Stronger Than Storms. So I'm going to, again, quick quick paragraph here. I'll read you. And then uh, that'll be enough to kind of whet your appetite and get you super excited about electricity and honeybees. At a field station near the University of Bristol in the UK, experimental ecologist Ellard Hunting and his colleagues noticed an unexpected jump in the atmospheric electrical charge on a clear day, new scientist reports. As it turns out, the jolt came from a nearby swarm of western honeybees, the team reports in iScience. Researchers already knew that bees and other insects carry small charges, but Hunting tells new scientists that he was kind of surprised to see that a honeybee swarm had a massive effect Further testing revealed that bee swarms can generate an electrical charge up to 1,000 volts per meter, with denser swarms leading to stronger electrical fields, the researchers write in their paper. That's a charge density that greatly exceeds thunderstorm clouds and electrical dust storms, they report. Anyway, so there's a lot more to the story. I thought it was kind of wild, kind of cool, a little different, unusual, and uh, I will share that with everybody in the Discord room, so you can kind of check that out. And... Uh, so the last note that I have before I, I wrap everything up for the day, I do have an interview teed up with somebody. I'm not going to get into the details now because not 100% that it's going to work out, but we've had some back and forth. I'm trying to get on the calendar here. So hopefully we'll get that done in the next week or so, and then we'll get that out as soon as possible. So fingers crossed on that one. And uh, well, all right, everybody. I think that that is 
about all that I have for now. I know it's a little bit short today, but I really wanted to get back to everybody. There's just been so much going on, and uh, you know, sometimes it's just hard to press the record button. So I'm trying to get my act together here and get it all pulled together. But thank you to all of you who reached out. Uh, I look forward to chatting with everybody again very soon. And don't hesitate to reach out, Jeff at PKMeForNewbies.com. And uh, you can always catch us, like I said, in the Discord room. It's about halfway down the page on the Beekeeping for Newbies, N-E-W-B-E-E-S.com site, halfway down the left-hand side. Link to the Discord room. And, you know, we'll look forward to catching up with everybody very, very soon. And uh, take care and be kind to one another. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.